When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was in Salt Lake City and I went to, I told you that I went to, I think I, I told you I was at Hoi, but uh, in Badlands, but I went to a restaurant there and it was a vegan restaurant. Oh, yikes. Does this ring a bell? <laughs> What's I have that? no idea. I don't know how I got ended up at this, but my, 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 my in-laws, not my in-laws, my brother and sister are, are vegan and they don't eat meat. They used to, they don't eat meat anymore. And, um, Anyhow, they talked about this restaurant. They're like, oh, it's so good. So we went to try it. Um, I'm going to find the name of it for you. Because I, I was curious if you have heard of it. Like, wow. So, I, okay. I just had to say, I can't believe we're talking about this right now. Uh, well, I'm with you, Tim. Guys, it's not. It's it's just food. It was I like mean, bagels and stuff. It's not that I'm not eating venison or elk or muley, but. Yeah, uh, you're going to, you know, it's, you're going to blow away. Oh, Hunt <laughs> Camp is going to be great for you this year, Dave. Let me just tell you. <laughs> yeah, make sure you're not to... recording yet, Tim, but if you're not, make sure you are. I mean, this is this is real information here. Vegan restaurant. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm going, I, just, just for you, Dave, we're going all keto, man. It's going to be nothing but protein. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to, I can't, I just remember being like a real famous place or something. It was, it was really good, but it was like, you know, like a bagel, some sort of stuffed bagel with cream cheese and all this crap. Well, well, to me, you know, vegan is a great appetizer, you know, like a bagel. That's that's a great thing to prepare to eat the real food. There but, you go. But, you know. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. The other place I went to was out in, in an outburger because I'd never been to one when I was Yeah, there. they don't have those over by us. <laughs> no, no kidding. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things. What I like is it's got a pretty simple menu. You know, you don't go in there and you have 40 different options. It's like, do you want to, do you want a single or, or double? I think is, and you want cheese or not? I mean, that's, it's kind of the extent of it. So pretty simple. It's, it's just always got such a line and it's quite frankly, it's not that good. And yeah. I'm a big believer in McDonald's, man. I, uh, I frequent that location. I, I actually you- really, I listened to this comedy skit a couple of years ago and the guy's like, People are more embarrassed to be found and seen by their friends at McDonald's than literally some of the worst places on planet Earth. <laughs> They're caught in the parking lot. They're like, I, I usually don't eat here, but you know, I just own it. I, I like their burgers. I, I mean, well, I, 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 dude, for me, you can't beat their breakfast. And when they moved to that uh, all-day breakfast, man, that was that was it. <laughs> Give me an egg McMuffin. That's that's cool. <laughs> uh, sorry, Dave. No no vegan options though for a guy like yeah, you. No. So you know, not at all. Commitment. not not even vegetarian full vegan like that you know you know what guys i don't even i don't even think this podcast needs an intro it's already funny enough we must just keep going (laughs) tyson easton how you doing man how's it going you know things things are great really really good actually i'm glad we're talking mcdonald's and stuff this really has a lot to do with bow hunting but (laughs) i think you gotta stay nourished you know even even when you're at hunt camp so do what you you know i I think it if a bow hunter can't connect with early morning McDonald's breakfast, they're doing something. So I'm trying to think when I haven't had McDonald's on a trip. I feel like anytime I go anywhere, we get McDonald's for breakfast. I don't know why. Because to yeah. me, there's, there's not that many great breakfast things, especially breakfast. But even you know, I can I'm down for a Big Mac. I can handle a Big Mac. That sounds tasty. Hey, you know, I I frequent it and I stay in. I'm in relatively decent shape, all things considered. So. My diet surprises some, but but I'm a I'm a I'm a McDonald's believer through and through. But what about that guy? That Netflix show. Um, yeah. What was that one? Um, they had a, they had a series Super like a documentary on a guy that did McDonald's for 30 days straight. That's all he ate: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Was McDonald's for 30 days straight. And he I went think it was Tyson before, and then into the doctor <laughs> afterwards. And uh, 
yeah my wife's like we're not getting mcdonald's again and i'm like like hell we're not their breakfast is awesome <laughs> well hey dave if i can't get famous bow hunting i may as well try to get famous by eating mcdonald's for there you go yeah you could be the new, well maybe not the i don't know if jared's the right <laughs> thing to compare you to i, I just have this feeling but... <laughs> i have a feeling tyson's gonna send me a picture it's gonna be the xx78 super slam with the arrow this big shoved into a big mac it's gonna be, like a, it's gonna be a kebab I mean, there you go. Bob on an there arrow. you go. Big Macs and double cheeseburgers. Someone will have to warn Cam Haynes that I'm on I'm on the way, you know, to uh, <laughs> he's doing this whole fitness thing, you know, eat healthy, get back. I'm gonna be Opposite. the size me bow hunter. <laughs> McDonald's sponsors you. That's oh hilarious. gosh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but on, oh, on a serious God. note, Dave, no, think things here are awesome. It's just been, as you guys know something's happened in bow hunting this world i mean this year yeah it's uh a resurgence like we've never seen before i mean we're we're going next year into a hundred year anniversary here and um this is going to be a banner year i mean just insane growth and for for a company with our kind of understanding of what the arrow market looks like i mean i would have never guessed uh i mean I, i remember sitting in a meeting oh probably february or march of last year wondering what should we do <laughs> you know are our are, are sales going to dry up are people yeah. going to bow hunting i mean is this going to be what's this going to look like and you know we made the bet of just holding firm and just continuing to manufacture and and you know within two months from that time we were trying to hire and ramp up and it's just been it's just been chasing the demand ever since we just can't keep up with 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 the shooters out there you know there's there's more arrows that people want than we can make so it, it's been a crazy year we call that positive problems it is you know no it is but and, we, and we've I heard think, that a lot you know and i don't think anybody expected the covid years to turn into such a boom for this industry um you know and, and i think in, in looking back on it i think it makes a little bit of sense you know dave and i at the at the very minimum I and mean, they're just two guys in the industry but you give us last year where, you know, we have a regular day job, but, you know, we're now working from home, which makes us be able to work remote, which makes us be able to hunt more, which, you know, and it's just easier to get out and do the things that you love to do. And you have such a better work-life balance doing all that stuff. Well, and, and we've seen, you know, I, I've gone out to retail and worked a handful of days. And then just with our retail partners, I mean, even beyond guys like yourself who've done it, now they're able to do it more is the guy who had planned a, a trip to Disneyland with his family and it got yeah. canceled. And he had planned to go to four or five college football games in Alabama with his buddies. And that also got canceled. So, you know, pretty soon these guys are saying, I got to find something I can do. Well, and I got to socially distance. I got to do all of these things. What, what's the option? How about shooting a bow? Can't uh, beat that. And, and, and the other big segment that we've seen is shooters, you know, gun shooters, pistol shooters, rifle shooters, they can't get ammo and they still want to shoot. So they, you know, I had a guy come into the shop. I was working actually in Pennsylvania at a shop uh, two or three months ago. And he first time ever buying a bow, him and three of his buddies showed up and bought brand new, probably $2,000 set up out the door and said, these bullets we can reuse, you know? (laughs) So, you know, I think it's brought people, you know, of all different types, whether they did it as a kid or their dad did it or their grandpa did it. Now they're wanting to get into it, but it's, uh, it's been something like we would have never expected and something that's just really fun to be a part of, to be honest. That makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, man. And, and kudos to you guys for, for such a long heritage. I mean, Easton yeah, is crazy. well, well, well known in the industry for putting out great products awesome arrows but i mean it doesn't stop there you guys got brand you guys got um accessories and all that all over the place so yeah you guys are known for your arrows but i think more important than that you guys are known for quality yeah and and, you know it's it's almost i think that easton name is almost synonymous with archery um you know some people i've gone to the vegas shoot i don't know the last four or five years in a row and you'll see guys with different branded arrows you know competitor product in our quiver, wearing our shirt, wearing our hat, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it just means that they're into archery and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a cool legacy. The Easton story, 
I don't know if you've heard the founder story, but uh, Doug Easton in 1921 got into a, a shotgun accident. He was, he was out hunting upland game and a, and a shotgun slid off the hood of a car and, and shot him at point blank in the back of the leg and, and buttocks. And, uh, you know, in that era, I mean, even now that's a pretty serious injury, but in that yeah, era, no. it, was, uh, it was very life-threatening. And in the hospital, he got a book uh, from a guy, it was called uh, Hunting with a Bow and Arrow by Saxton Pope. And that is, for, for those who know, that is Saxton Pope of Pope and Young, which is something we're all fairly familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Called, uh, and, and like I say, it was called Hunting with a Bow and Arrow. And, and he had uh, he wrote this book in conjunction with a, uh, a Native American who had learned how to make uh, equipment from his ancestors. Um, he was supposedly the last Native American living in the wild in California. And uh, he, he met with this Saxon Pope guy and they, they wrote a book on, on how to make archery equipment, essentially. And um, in the hospital, you know, I guess Doug's probably sitting there hurting as a, as a late teenager saying, hey, you know, guns weren't super friendly to me. Maybe I'll try this. Uh, maybe I'll try this archery thing. And uh, he gets out of the hospital and starts making bows and arrows in his parents' garage and his buddies start wanting to buy them from him and they're saying, Hey, this is pretty good stuff. And he's selling them around the area a bit. And, uh, he's shooting, he, he's shooting his bow in, uh, Van Nuys, California at a park there. And, uh, uh, when he's done shooting, this older gentleman walks up to him and says, Hey, beautiful bow you have there. And you shoot it really well. Where did you buy it? And he told the guy, you know, I made it. I, I, you know, I like to make bows. I make some for my friends, you know, this is a bow I made too. And the guy, uh, said, well, where'd you learn how to make it? He said, in a book by Saxon Pope. And the old guy sticks his hand out and says, I'm Saxon Pope. No so way. Wild, right? Wow. So he, he, he meets his mentor, you know, and, and right after that, he figures, gosh, if, if this guy's complimenting my equipment, I'm going to start, you know, he's starting to compliment my equipment. I'm going to start a business. And he sent out classified ads. It's kind of cool. Uh, there, there's a museum here in Salt Lake, um, the, the Easton Archery Museum. And it shows these old magazine clip outs of classified ads, you know, a dozen cedar match grade shafts, or I don't even remember the price. It's like a dollar piece or something. Right. And uh, he's shipping these all over the country and, you know, very quickly becomes world renowned for making um, the most accurate cedar, you know, wood cedar shafts of the era. And wow. from there, they, they get into the, the aluminum world and, and, you know, up to where we're at today. So a really fun history for me as a guy who loves bow hunting, um, but also, you know, I'm passionate about business and I, I love sales and I love uh, just business management in general. So to have, to be able to be part of that, that awesome story and the awesome history of a company that makes a product that I love, getting to do a role that I love, it's like a dream come true. Best of all worlds, man. That's awesome. I like Tyson's yeah. storytelling. It's very good. Very yeah. good. <laughs> You should start doing that for kids' books. <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, if there's money in it, you know, sign me up. And if, That's the, if, the, the, storybook, if the storybooks can be about archery, I'll have a bigger smile yet on my face. <laughs> I'll tell you, we don't we don't have nearly as good of a story over our eleven here. Yeah, story, so. let's hear it. <laughs> our story. I, I still want to hear it though. <laughs> oh no! We, so we're we're one of those garage built companies, actually. So yeah. the the idea was really Dave's. Um, in fact, originally it was more just going to be kind of web-based type of stuff. And Dave comes to me one day, he's like, and keep in mind, I had a video background. I grew up in the video industry. My dad owned a company doing, doing videos and all that kind of stuff. He came to me one day and said, you know what? We need to start putting this stuff on video. And I looked at him, I go, man, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a good idea. You know, it's like, we can give it a shot, but I'm just not sure, you know? And, and we built a little studio in Dave's garage and it just kind of took off from there. So it was, uh, you know, 11 years strong now, but, uh, you know, it is kind of weird how you start off in those, like, I don't know if this is ever going to work. I don't know, you know, and then all of a sudden it turns into, uh, you know, a passion of yours and you, you love it and it, you know, eats up your day and your life and it's all good. Well, I, I think from my perspective, you know, for, for the two of you as a bow hunter, what, what I've seen a lot of is people, they want it to be more than a season. You know, in the West, it's August, you know, about mid-August it starts and you can hunt till about the end of September and, and you're up bow hunting, right? And yep. people want to be part of that year round. Uh, and whether it's, you know, whether it's wearing a hat, you know, I don't know if you can see that bow hunt, 
you know, I don't know. I wear it to the gym and somebody says, Oh, you like bow hunting? I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, I love it. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> um, let's talk. Right. And it might be June. It couldn't be further from archery season in the West, but I'm still able to be a part of it by the hat I have on my head or by listening to y'all's podcast. And I, I think that's a big part of, of what you're seeing is, you know, we're all hungry for, for more talk about archery hunting, the, the history of our sport, you know, and just being a, a part of other people's stories, you know, their, their favorite hunting story. I mean, I don't, you guys probably have one that comes to mind for you and you've told it a hundred times and it's awesome, you know? Absolutely. But, yeah. I think it's interesting too, like, uh, you know, Tim was talking about that and it brought up, uh, it reminded me the other day, I was talking to my cousin about, about the history uh, because some of the, some bigger brands now are talking to us about different things and sponsorships and stuff. And I was just kind of mentioning to him and he's like, dude, it's like, look how far you guys have came. He's like, think about it. He's like, think of how many no's you got when you did this. Like how many people said no, like, you know, before it got to where it is. And, you know, in, in my mind, um, we, you know, we, we don't do this for a living. It's not like something we do and we have to make money or all this stuff. We actually created this as more of a library of our stuff. Like, oh, hey, you know, we'll film this hunt and we'll call it Bowhunter Planet and we'll just continue it on YouTube so we can watch it when we get older. And kind of turned into what you just said, like people wanted, they wanted that content. They wanted to see more. They wanted to see what the companies were doing. So I focused always on the bow companies as my number one. So when the bow companies, and I always tell most people, I always felt that when Matthews and Hoyt came on board, I had felt like I made it. Like we actually made it where we need to be for our test live series, which was our biggest thing. It still is today. So on YouTube, we do videos, you know, bow reviews, arrow reviews, whatever it is, we're reviewing products. And when I think back on it, I was like, yeah, when they said, yeah, that was pretty amazing, you know? Cause like you go from like, I'll never get the big guys so you get the big guys and then it's like, all right, but now I got the big guys. I got to continue contain the big guys. Right. So they don't leave. So I have to do better, better and better, which is always given a new goal and a new way of looking at the industry. And people have always said, you know, you know, how would you start this? Blah, blah, blah. And I always say like, well, you take your investment and you reinvest it. You don't stop investing in your equipment. That's number one. And there was other review shows back when we started. And to be honest, they just fell off the grid because they would pocket the money they'd make on anything they did instead of put it back into their camera equipment and put it into new things like a podcast or whatever. And so they never had that transition to keep going forward. So a yeah. bow manufacturer like Hoyt or Matthews or Elite or whoever it is would say, well, your quality is not as good as like the bow or planet guys. Why would I do yours if I could just do his, right? So that's kind of what happened. And if they, they didn't stay at top of the game and they lost, and, and nowadays we become one of the only ones that are doing bow reviews with bow support from the company. So it's not like I'm a shop and I'm just taking it off my shelf and doing a video for you because I'm selling it to you. Yep. That's different than what we do is we show a bow that we're supported by the bow company. They gave us this bow to show to you as a demonstration display. And we're not here to tell you to buy or not buy the bow. We're just here to show you the bow. And so you can understand it before you go to a shop or you take, you know, any information from a shop owner who would of course want to sell you something that's that you guys want everybody wants to sell something i get it but the concept's more display like how do you see it you know what does it react like what's the speeds is it getting what you claimed it would get is your arrow tolerance as real as you say it is <laughs> or will it snap you know sure but, you know talking about history for easton you know a couple things that come to my mind uh with your guys's history is aluminum arrows and you know i mean i know there's wood and all this but from my time frame in the 90s the the game getter the xx75 xx70 super slams were like huge deal uh growing up for me like that was what i always saved to get i saved to get the 78s when i had the 75s um so i guess talk us can you walk us through i guess that phase of easton like because those were huge arrows like and still probably are today but they were like massive at that time well i mean it was it was the only show in town Right. I mean, if you were, if you, I think there is a couple ancillary items out there, you know, if you really look for it, you could find a different arrow, but it, it, it dominated the time. And, and from a, from a historical standpoint, um, pre-World War II, uh, Gre or excuse me, Greg Easton's our current president, Doug Easton started playing around with aluminum. And his biggest frustration was with the cedar arrows, even 
it was twofold. Uh, um, to, to make a dozen match grade cedar shafts, he would have to start with 400 dowels. Out of wow. 400, he could he could hone those down and just find ones that the, the, the grains of the wood were straight enough that he could make what was considered to him a match grade arrow. So imagine wow. that. Wow. You know, imagine, imagine the fallout that out of, to, to make 12 hour, excuse me, 12 arrows, you threw out, uh, you know, almost all 400. <laughs> That's a big wood wow. chip pile. That you it's a big out. wood chip pile. <laughs> so it, it, archers at that time in competition or in hunting did what's called clocking their arrows. And they would have every arrow labeled one through 12 or one through 18 or one through six, however many they had. And then they had like a little three by five card in their pocket or on their quiver that would tell them where arrow number one hit, you know, arrow number one, you need to aim high a foot and to the wow. right two feet to hit the center. Right. And I don't profess to be a great archer, but if that was one of the factors going in my mind, you know, I'm getting ready to pull back on that elk of a lifetime and I'm looking and I say, Oh, this is arrow number two. If I want to hit him, you know, I'm only 20 yards away, but I got to aim a foot low and a foot left. You know, oh, uh, God. flooding through your mind yeah. and and doug was an innovator you know he he wanted to find a better way and uh, started making some of the first aluminum arrows improved concept pre-world war ii but aluminum supply dried up uh throughout the war and he was able he was he had to kind of give up on on chasing aluminum just because there was no raw material available um and actually to get bias you know for the war he made a lot of cedar um, map chests to put in planes so that the pilot could easily burn that if needed. You know, the, the cedar uh, box would burn quickly and burn any sensitive documents. No way. That's cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, there, there's some of those actually at the uh, the museum here in Salt Lake that you can go see. So in, it was, you know, mid-1940s now, and uh, it, it was kind of early 50s where the aluminum arrow started to dominate. And the first archer to use aluminum in, in competition was looked down on. They, they tried to ban him from participating in, in the tournament. That's not real archery if it's not a wooden arrow. Wow. You know, you, you can't compete. He was a no-name archer. And I wish, I'll get fact-checked by somebody I work with. I wish <laughs> I could remember the amount that he won by. But it was like a drastic win no-name archer that just came in and dominated the whole event. Um, within a couple of years, you know, you have some of those people who really tried to fight against the introduction of aluminum into archery. Um, you see that a little bit today, right, with some of the purists and different aspects of archery. Of course. Um, can't hunt on Sunday. Can there you go. I mean, no crossbows. <laughs> I, I've heard, yeah, no crossbows. I've heard people you know, I won't, I won't hunt over water, but I'll hunt over a bait pile because <laughs> they're reliant on water. They're not reliant on corn. I don't know. Everybody's got their yep. own mantra, yep. right? No so, so it was really from there, Dave, that, that uh, the aluminum arrow just began to dominate. And, um, you know, the super slam was actually a tribute arrow for Chuck Adams. Um, you know, he was the first person to accomplish a super slam. So kind of an iconic figure in bow hunting, think a lot of people maybe even people my age maybe you know haven't heard of him and don't follow him but he was kind of one of the originals really getting uh you know putting down animals and uh the super slam was a tribute to him um to your point dave we still sell a lot of aluminum arrows today um wow. interesting I, I think it's about 40 percent of our sales have an aluminum element um wow so it's pretty pretty telling to see that it's still in vogue and I, it, we make some some different variations of aluminum arrows now. Um, most people are probably familiar with the FMJ. Um, we've done kind of retro versions of the FMJ throughout the years, trying to mimic uh, the autumn orange arrow. You know, similar label, similar decoration, but modern technology with the FMJ. And and obviously all of our AC products. Uh, a lot of guys on the podcast might remember the ACC Hunter Pro. ACC. Uh, I that was the arrow I was shooting when I started <laughs> at Easton, actually. Um, and I shoot the Pro Comp now, and it's it's that AC construction, so it still has the aluminum component um, for the arrow's core, and then the exterior is carbon. 
I couldn't afford them. I remember the ACCs. I, I don't know what they were there. I don't want to say at the time, this is a long time ago, back in like 2000 or something, 98, 2000 in there, whatever it came out. It's the poor broke college. So hot. We want to thank our outdoor partners for their dedication to the outdoor hunting heritage. It's because of you, the sport of hunting continues to educate, motivate, and feed people around the world. Yeah. What replaced the ACC, the FMJ? You know, probably the best comparison to an ACC today would be the Pro Comp Pro in Comp. the hunting line. And it's still an aluminum core with the carbon exterior. Um, so very, very similar. The Pro Comp is a smaller diameter arrow. So it's the smallest diameter arrow made. Um, it's a four millimeter shaft. So awesome. is 6.5, is that a, a normal or is that big? That's the that's standard diameter. That's so standard. 6.5 is your standard diameter. From there, we step down to six millimeter, five millimeter, which is your axis and FMJ. And then the, uh, the micro diameter is uh, four millimeter. This uh, camel hunter, XX75 camel hunter, this is this the, the biggest like aluminum arrow you guys sell right now? Yeah. Yep. Is that and the only people, aluminum? No, we still sell uh, XX75 uh, camel hunters. We sell game getters. Um, we have fall stalkers in our line. Um, and then a lot of the target lines still, we have the, the RX7, X23s, X25s, and X27s, which are all aluminum as well. Is the 78 retired now? Uh, yes. I want to cry. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> know day that. Day. <laughs> Dang it. And, and, yeah, and truth be told, you know, for the target archers on the podcast, I mean, they know aluminum in that world is still very, you know, that's what a lot of the pros are shooting at these events. Um, from a, from a standpoint of spine consistency from one arrow to the next and weight consistency, as well as what we refer to as spine around shaft. So the stiffness around the entire shaft is unmatched by aluminum. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's by far the most consistent arrow on the market. This, um, I was just looking at your um, book here. I was looking at, let me see here. I'll share it here one second. Uh, click here, click there, share screen. This one here, <laughs> this whiteout is sick. <laughs> it is. I love yeah. that it's all white like that. I mean, Tim, think of how easy you could find this arrow when you shoot. Oh no doubt. Gosh. No, <laughs> that's a great point, man. After you take that shot, a lot of those black carbon ones, you know, you kind of lose it. If you don't have a lighted knock on this it, that's, that's a great awesome. point. Dude. Yeah. It, it, and you know, it really ties in well. You can see if you scroll back up, um, oh, you're playing the video now. Here you go. Oh, dang. Got him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, it's made for visibility and, and honestly just even in flight anymore. I mean, bows are shooting so fast. Um, that white arrow shoot shows up really nicely um, just in flight. Um, it, it also really plays on some, it's really cool looking. I mean, that's what gets me on it. Um, it's got an aluminum insert that right there, it's kind of highlighted, sticks out. And it just, it looks really nice on a white shaft, little, uh, you know, orange uh, insert, orange label, orange, uh, um, oh, that's cool fletchings that cool. it's i'm not much of a style guy or fashion guy dave but when it comes to archery man i'm telling <laughs> you the, the quiver accent matches the the, the bolt accent on the yeah. cam and i'm looking at my bow right now it's 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 looking like a little more probably much more fashionable than i look on a daily basis this is cool too i like this you guys split where it's half white all the way up that's cool Yep. Yep. On the new legacy carbon legacy shaft yeah, that's, that's big sweet. in that trad world. And, and really what we did there is did the first step for people who want to do their own custom cresting. Oh, first step is they dip the back end of the arrow white and then, and then crest it from there. And, you know, some, some people in the market, they'll, they'll sell a pre-crested arrow, but cresting is, is kind of a sign of, a, it was like a family symbol or an individual signature of how you crested your own arrows. Yeah, and uh, to kind of try to stay true to the history of of why people crest their arrows, we didn't uh, we, we didn't feel the need to do the painting ourselves as as part of the decoration, but allow somebody that wants to kind of keep that tradition alive to do it on their own. Yeah, this, that's um, cool, man. 
this is cool too the x's i think i've seen this before this type of look on another arrow i'm not sure it was this one i thought it was maybe it was the acc or something i remember seeing these x's maybe full metal jacket i'm thinking yeah and, and you know i hate to say it that that's been a recent discontinuance there dave um this the one? matrix yeah the, the matrix sold really really well and we made it to design or to, to highlight Easton's seamless carbon design. Um, none of our arrows, none of our carbon arrows have a seam. They're all made at process called protrusion. And there's a, a really cool video, Dave, even if you wanted to link it to this podcast of kind of a, a Easton how it's made video. But the matrix was designed to highlight that. With the increased demand with the COVID's presented, the matrix ran about four times slower than other products here in our Salt Lake City factory. Oh, and it just didn't make sense to slow up production yeah. um, uh, on an aesthetic piece. So it was uh, uh, something I've never been a part of here was a mid-year discontinuance and we, we really tried to avoid it. But in the spirit of trying to get as much product out as possible, we just cut it. Yeah. And then uh, are these made at the same facility? Yes, they yeah. are. Okay. Yep. So we manufacture both carbon and aluminum arrows right here in Salt Lake. And, you know, Dave, Tim, if you're ever in the Salt Lake area, again, love to show you through the factory and, awesome. uh, you know, get you a little uh, behind the scenes tour. Um, the online video, you know, the East and How It's Made video online is, I think it's about seven or eight minutes. And it does a pretty good job of, of giving it kind of a high level feel of what's going on. But there's nothing like seeing it in person. Is this, um, do you guys have a name for this camo? Or no? Oh, we do. Um, that is called, I think it's called Woodland. Yeah, oh, I, I, um, I think it's funny because a lot of these camos are, are kind of the original type camos, but I, I feel so funny because I feel like they're all on their way back now. Like everybody kind of has been looking for these and seeing the retro them. type of camos. Yeah. Well, like Fred bear did it right. With bear archery yep. did it with their Fred bear camo. They've been pushing that. And it's, you start to see it a lot. You're like, wow. Even like the real tree originals and stuff and mossy Oaks, they're starting to come back. And like, I love this. This looks sweet to me. Like when I'm looking at this, I'm like, damn, I wish my bow was this color. <laughs> it's a Rambo, Ra uh, Rambo uh, camo there. Yeah. So, so it's kind of interesting. You say that Dave, I mean, that, that, legacy type nostalgia definitely has been in you know across multiple industries not just the archery industry um and we've played on that with the fmj line um we designed that exact look that you have on the screen it was a couple years ago as a limited edition arrow i don't think you'll see it um on the site anymore it was just a we did it for two years um and and so it was that exact same look but with brand new fmj technology that's cool so yeah, I think guys, it's, it's with, good. Tim, with the sorry. product lineup that you guys have and your product lineup is huge from a <laughs> consumer purchasing perspective. Is there a clear winner? I, I have to imagine there isn't. You know, um, on the hunting side of things, we, we, we really have three, three real heavy hitters there, right? Um, FMJ five millimeter is a staple product. Um, nobody else has anything close to it in the industry. It's the hardest hitting, best penetrating arrow on the market. It's uh, that, that slick exterior coating combined with a heavier arrow. I mean, you, you shoot that time and time again into foam and you'll notice even just shooting targets, how much better that arrow penetrates than a, a carbon equivalent. Can you explain this real quick? What is this, how is this like, uh, what's, if I cut this in half, what am I gonna see? If you cut it in half, you'll see a carbon arrow on the inside wrapped with an aluminum arrow. So this um, is a, uh, so this is the concept of the ACC originally, right? It's the inverse of an ACC. Inverse. So an ACC oh, it's right. has aluminum, aluminum on the inside and carbon on the outside. From a hunting sits, uh, yes. scenario, we, we found in testing that, that that aluminum exterior really, there's a lot less resistance as it penetrates in either an animal ballistic gel or in foam. Wow. Um, so to get that on the exterior of of a carbon shaft gives you the strength and durability of aluminum combined with that penetrating slick exterior coating of, or excuse me, the strength of carbon with the uh, slick exterior coating of aluminum to help with penetration, um, as well as just extreme. <laughs> my, my dad likes them because they're easy to pull from targets. 
you know, yeah, no, that's two fingers. That's huge in and of itself. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people buy different targets for their arrow, but why not buy the arrow instead of the target? That's Absolutely. a great point. You see this, Tim? Different size, one end to the other. Yeah. Interesting. So more yeah, weight up front. Tapered shafts, tapered shafts and barreled shafts are nothing new for Easton. This was released, uh, the T64 was released a couple years ago. But, uh, you know, as a fun side fact, we just had the Olympic Games, um, as probably a lot of people, you know, maybe tuned in and watched a little bit of the archery for that segment. Every Olympic medal since, the, since archery was in the Olympics has been won with an Easton arrow. Um, and they've all been won with a, a barrel design shaft. So kind of playing off that taper, it's an arrow called the X10 and uh, has really just dominated that recurve market uh, in, an, in an incredible way, really. Well, speaking of winning, Dave, I mean, Easton's, Easton's been a winner around here yeah. as well, haven't they? Gold, gold. Uh, Golden Arrow Awards. You guys won the gold. I, forgot, I knew somehow it's hard. <laughs> yeah, look, look at this. There you go. Oh, it's there. there you go. Oh, you got it. Stop yeah. sharing this. Jamie yeah, actually got, got it on time. Wow. All yeah, right. Yeah, got here a couple days ago. The 2021 Bowhunter Planet Golden Arrow Awards. That is awesome. Look, You're the you first guys person. got the arrow. Yeah. First person to have that award. Was... Yeah. <laughs> the only thing you missed was putting my name on it, Dave. I never win awards, so you know. <laughs> It reminded awesome. me of, uh, what, what is it, a, a scene from The Grinch, right, <laughs> it, where he wins the award, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was, that was cool, man. I mean, it's, it's been, it was really fun this year, kind of putting that back out there. We took a little bit of a break from those awards, uh, but thought it was really important from an industry and, and uh, you know, just a community perspective to see what everybody's liking, what, you know, everybody thinks. And, you know, it, I'll, I'll tell you what. It wasn't a surprise that you guys won by any means. I mean, you got everything that we've talked about tonight, you hit it right on the head. I mean, you guys put out such quality products and for such a long time, your brand recognition and, and everything is just amazing. Um, so kudos to you for winning, but it is, it is really cool to see that you guys are still out there. You know, it's awesome to see like when we get that feedback and we have people answering those, those surveys that we put out that people, in the industry, actual hunters that are voting on this are actually using your stuff. Yep. So. Well, and I, I think, you know, I, I talked a little bit about the legacy and story of our, of our company. And I think for some, it might be easy to kind of sit back on our coattails and yeah, we're all that in a bag of donuts because we've been around forever. But, but look, you know, as a, as a made in USA company, we have to earn the right every day to manufacture our products here. No um, doubt. We're, we're, we, we take it very seriously, you know, the, the quality aspect, making sure we have the right product line, our marketing message. Um, you know, we don't just want to hang our hat on. We've been in business for a long time or even the fact that we're made in the USA. I think those yeah. are nice punctuation points. And, you know, we refer to that internally as, you know, that's, that's the period at the end of the sentence. But the sentence needs to have meat, which is we make quality products. We provide the market with the products that they're looking for you know, hitting the proper weights, having the right components for our products. And I think at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's where our focus really tries to be not on, not on, Hey, we've been here for a hundred years. We're going to be here for a hundred more. You know, we, we have to live that and earn that every day. Well, and that's, and that's easy to do personally, right? It's easy to say, okay, I hit my goal now, you know, I'm just going to take a little break for a little bit. We're not going to worry about things. Uh, but to do that as a company, right, and, and to be able to put out to put out products over an organization like your guys's, year after year, time and time again, really says something about the the passion of not just the owners but the employees underneath of it. Well, everybody's a hunter, so it helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it always helps, and we all eat McDonald's too. <laughs> There you go. So, <laughs> I'm starting to feel like you guys use muley deer meat in your McDonald's over there. Or something. Hey, we might. No, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I'll say it just a hundred percent honest. I mean, we have a, an amazing owner, you know, we're, we're still family owned. Greg Easton's our owner. Now I went to lunch with him two or three weeks ago. He's an extremely humble, hardworking guy um, who, who, what he cares about is his people. He cares about the people that work at his companies. He wants them to be happy. He wants them to enjoy going to work. And, and I think he truly means it. I don't think he's fueled by money. I think he's fueled by by making sure that that the people that work here enjoy it. 
And I, it just throughout our organization, I mean, it's just full of good people. And it's, uh, it's something I've, I've never once not wanted to go to work. You know, um, yeah. I get to work with people that I'd spend time with either way. People that like to do what I like to do. You now, know, Tyson, did you grow up in Utah? I did. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in a small town in northern Utah. Kind of a we had three stoplights, Dave, for for what it's worth. So, you know. <laughs> now, can you guys? Uh, so, were you? Did you hunt your whole life? Yeah, I've hunted since I was a little kid. I mean, my, my grandpa was a very passionate hunter. Um, you know, my dad passed that on to us. I picked up bow hunting. My dad bow hunted as a kind of as a teenager and in early years in college. Um, I picked it up when I was 14. Um, my brother got a bow for his birthday and his birthday's in January. Mine's in April. <laughs> and in April, you can guess what I asked for. I wanted a bow as well. And I mean, I, our early years out bow hunting, I mean, it's almost embarrassing, Dave. I think I had two or three different arrows in my quiver, probably three different broadheads on every one of those things. I didn't know what broadhead tuning was. All I knew is if something came within 20 yards, I was going to smoke it. Um, and uh, we had a couple of good years, you know. I mean, I, I think my first year I can remember missing a few times. <laughs> and uh, That was all of us. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, the one thing that's never changed, I guess, for bow hunting with me is every time I go in the field, I think, what am I doing? I have a stick and a bow with a point on the front of it. I can't kill anything with this, you know? And I've thought that since I was a kid. And I thought that I went out, what, two weekends ago and I'm wandering around with a bow bugling at elk and cow calling at elk wondering, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> And, um, but people have been doing it for thousands of years, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think for me, that's, you know, it started there and, uh, progressively and progressively, we kind of, kind of started to hang up the guns every year, you know, and what we wanted to focus on with bow hunting. It was just, it, I mean, you guys know, everybody on the podcast knows it's listening, but it's, there's this fuel of wanting to be close to an animal and this, Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost an intimate experience to be within that danger zone of a predator that they would typically have. It's, it's a surreal experience. It's almost impossible to explain. Um, I don't get it gun hunting. I enjoy gun hunting. It's still, you know, a social experience, but I don't get that high or that real deep enjoyment. Um, that I do when I have a, when I have a bow, I feel like there's a mutual respect between the, the predator and prey in that situation. It's just, it's beautiful for me to be a part of. I, I could, you don't want to get me going on that, Dave. You'll be muting my microphone. In a minute. <laughs> I think it's like that with hunting because well, in Michigan, it's a little different than Utah because here we're uh, flat ground and we can't stalk animals. Uh, so we're mainly, we sit in a tree stand all day. It's very, it, it's kind of refreshing and relaxing. Yeah or a ground blind, but usually we're just sitting there. But one of the cool parts is not necessarily like stalking up on a deer, which would be awesome if, if it could happen. I have done it a few times. It's not easy to do here. Very slow walk, like very slow, like one step, don't move for like maybe a minute. Next step, don't move for 30 seconds, like whatever. But when you get into the zone, like a kill zone of an animal that comes into your kill zone or whatever, it's one of the coolest feelings. Cause you're like, Oh my God, like this is going to happen. Like I it's actually, about to go down. These things oh, are like yeah. ghosts, right? I mean, they're like ghosts. They, you never see them. You know, when you're walking through the woods, if you're talking to your girlfriend, whatever, walking through the woods and you know, you'll never, the odds of seeing a deer, they hear you coming, they're out of there, you know? So it's like, it's one of the most amazing animals to hunt in my opinion. And when you get in that position to take a shot, and you pull back your bow at full draw and it's locked in place and you know it still doesn't know you're like oh my gosh it's gonna happen that's like the best feeling man that's the best feeling well it just seems when you go out and all odds are against you you know i i tell i think most bow hunters have probably been approached by people who don't don't like hunting or you know maybe confronted by it and 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 what i what i always tell them is we are at every way you can think of it at a disadvantage yeah a deer can see better deer can smell better deer can run faster they can run further it's also a home court advantage you're at you're in their house yeah they know where every rock where every tree where every bush is and they know if something doesn't like look quite right up in a tree it wasn't there the day before they look up they know that's crazy and and being part of 
you know, the, the food chain of, of getting your own food and, and being part of that kind of natural predation is an experience that I think, I think it's in our DNA. I think our, For sure. our forefathers had to do it. And yeah. when you channel that inner, I don't know, hunter gatherer instinct, and you're a part of putting food on your table and you, you know, what happened to that meat, you know, that it's, you know, you want to talk, I mean, you talked uh, vegan at the beginning of it, but we'll talk. <laughs> I don't think it's now. vegan. I think I found it now. I'm going to show you in a minute. I pulled it up, but, but I, I was a little wrong on the vegan part. Oh, okay. You were off. But, but when you have that, <laughs> you know, organic, healthy, all natural meat, like it's, it's a, it's just a really neat thing to be a part of in, in putting food on your own plate. 100%. I agree. Yeah. All right, here it is. I think this is what I was talking about in the beginning. I don't know why I said vegan, but I think this is it here. Oh gosh. Okay. Jelly been here. Jelly pig, a jelly jar. No, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> that doesn't look vegan to me. Vegan. Okay. Pig, pig I, for some reason. I, okay. I think he's pulling one over on us just to save face yeah. now. Yeah, but, you're right. This man. is not real. This is not real. <laughs> no, I'm not believing it. He brings up the most macho <laughs> meat yeah. restaurant he could yeah. find. In I, you know it. I'm it's true. This it's one true. Right I just mess with you guys. But I did find <laughs> this one. I was looking for the other one. No, the other one was like a weird. It was like cream cheeses and bagels. I don't know, man. I, I, huh. So anyway, well, that, that one looked that one looked pretty good. It I did look good. It. It's in your <laughs> neck of the woods over there. Pig and a jelly jar restaurant, Salt Lake huh. City. No, you need to go over there. Cold. It it's... says Ogden, 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 Ogden. Thank you. Ogden. <laughs> is that close? Well, we Dave, <laughs> is that close to you or no? Yeah, it's it's uh it's about probably about forty five minutes north. I feel of like I feel like you should go there soon and then do a review and send it to us and we can add it into this. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop by McDonald's on the way back if my experience there. <laughs> there you <is> go. <laughs> Yeah, when we were in Utah, we went to everywhere. We went to the, um, uh, is it the Mormon Museum and stuff like that? Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah, there's like a, there's like, like a, a church. Called, it's called Temple Square. It's like yeah. right downtown Salt Lake City. And it's kind of this, uh, it's under construction right now. It was beautiful gardens and a, and a, and a nice. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. We had a great time. And then we were in, um, I probably pronounced it wrong. Is it Alta? Alta. Alta. I was going to, I was going to save you. I heard, I heard you start Alta. Alta, Yes. <laughs> And that was gorgeous. And we saw moose like every day walk yep. by, but there was a wedding we went to there. That's why we were there. And um, so when you're hunting there, are you mainly hunting mule deer? Uh, I, yeah, mule deer and elk. I mean, that's, that's kind of Utah specifically is kind of tough with mule deer. Um, they changed it a couple years ago, probably five years ago where you're not even guaranteed to get an archery tag every year. Oh. Um, it, it's almost an every other year thing for muleys, um, unfortunately. And your resin. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, and that's that's specific to archery. I mean, you can typically find like a muzzleloader hunt that they'll have leftover tags, but it's not a great unit. It's mostly private yeah. property. So what what I do mostly in Utah is uh, elk hunt. Um, there, there's good elk herds, and you can hunt cow or spike on any of the good limited entry units. So, you know, and, and with an elk man they're such a big animal whether it's got antlers or not it's still pretty exciting to have a you know a, a giant cow elk at 20 yep. yards or 30 yards um and then you're still a part of that what i would consider one of the most majestic animals to watch during the rut um you know screaming bugles from when you're hiking in in the morning to 11 12 o'clock in in the morning sometimes you know clear to clear yeah. to noon that's the coolest just, thing to hear, man. Do you guys uh, have grizzly there? In Utah, no. No, no grizzly bears. Black bear? There are. Not a lot. I've, uh, let's see. I think I've only seen one black bear in the wild in Utah ever. Uh, Cougar? Funny. Lots of cougars. Um, yep. Wolves? The, well, I think the DWR officially, official statement is there's no wolves, but uh, a guy shot a wolf. He was coyote hunting and shot a wolf in, I think it was uh, Cedar City a couple, probably two years yeah. ago. And so, you know, he reported it and said, hey, I made an honest mistake. And the DWR said, well, you know, we've announced that there aren't any here. So you, you're, you don't. <laughs> it's have a coyote. To, 
you don't have right now. <laughs> there's no rules there's none here so yeah. there's, there's yeah, well you never expect setting. to be able to, to have to identify it if you don't if they don't say that there's any there for sure yeah I, I think i think that's how and i didn't follow it through but you know if you've ever seen a wolf next to a coyote they're about 47 times larger yeah <laughs> I saw yeah, that video. So, but that is like so so that is a good point though because when, but when an animal is by itself it's hard it's hard to it's hard yes. to guess the size like there's been so many times where like there's been a deer that comes out and you're like oh my god and it's it's doe usually right when it happens more with doe than anything like with antlers or anything like that but a doe will come out and you'll be like oh man this thing's this thing's looking nice man i'm gonna take this thing and then all of a sudden mom comes in behind it you're like oh Never mind. <laughs> it's a little bit smaller than I thought. Yep. It happens yep. all the time, especially bear hunting. Bear, I bear hunting hunted. too. Yeah, for sure. I shot it. I shot it. My bear, I was like 86 pounds. And I was like, I thought for sure it was like 200 pounds. I was like, oh my God, this thing's huge. And we found it. I'm like, that's the bear. Are you sure? Did I shoot that one behind the other one? And they're like, no, that's your bear. I'm like, whoa. And it looked like I like oh. threw it on my shoulder. I'm like, what the hell is this? A cup? <laughs> that is it is deceiving especially bears so have deceiving. so much fur man they're yeah. like you know well in the pet depending on the time of year you know coming right out of hibernation they they are skinnier and they just look different yeah. than you know later in the season too so yeah I, I've, I've been bear hunting once and and uh i just looked over at my friend ross and i just kept saying should i shoot that one he shake his head no I'm yeah. like, okay you know, I think <laughs> they, all look now, huge to me. <laughs> they do look big by themselves. And if you like, like Tim said, if they come in together, you're like, oh, whoa, yeah, there's a huge difference. But yeah. deer all the time, it happens to me to doze all the time. I'm like, oh, maybe a shooter. <laughs> yeah. And then you, oh, know, yeah. you see the big mom come out. Oh, there, there she is. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, for sure. It's like double the, double the size. You're like, oh. <laughs> All right. Well, Tyson Easton, man, I don't know, man. There's not much left to say. It's a great brand. It's been around for so many, well, hundred years, you said. So that's incredible. That's yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, Congratulations think, on the Bow Hunter Planet Award. Yeah, it's this awesome. Year, so always good cool. to see your name uh, spotlighted. So yeah, eastarchery.com. We're we're just happy for the support and happy for you. You know, I'm happy to be on here and enjoyed the, enjoyed the time, enjoyed the chat. So thanks a bunch, you guys. Good deal. Yeah, Very welcome guys. Go to eastarchery.com to learn more about them full metal jackets. Cause they are sick as well as all the other great arrows they have. And uh, you can also get an Easton clock on there. I saw, which is really cool. And <laughs> could be, maybe I'll really send cool you thing. one day for your backdrop. Yes, I will take an Easton clock. That is the coolest looking clock. I was like, all right. I'm writing a note clock. right now. <laughs> I will right, we'll see you guys next time on the Born Plan Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.